Welcome to Respiratory HQ's Journey to Success podcast, the podcast specifically for RT students because you all are the future of the respiratory therapy profession, and not everything you need for success can be found in your textbooks. I'm Tanya Peel. I am so excited to be here to give you a little guidance and insight, a few tips, maybe a few tricks to help you be successful on your journey through respiratory therapy school. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome. So glad you could join us today. And I'm thrilled to have a very special guest with us. Her name is Budur Kudebergenova. She is an RT student in the United Arab Emirates. Hi, Budur. Hi, Tonya. And hi, everyone. Thank you so much for introducing me. And I'm a third year respiratory therapy student in United Arab Emirates in Khawarezmi International College, which is the first and only university in the United Arab Emirates that offers a Bachelor of Science in Respiratory Care program. Um, originally, I'm from Uzbekistan. I moved to U UAE back to 2019, and I took a gap of one year to improve my English and take an IELTS course to get into my RT program in my college. And I enrolled in my program back to 2020. And since then, I've been into my program. Good deal. So English is not your native language. What is your native language? Um, actually, my native language is Russian. And as well, I, as well, I speak um, Uzbek. I speak Arabic and um, English four languages. So you are multilingual, which is a great skill to put on your resume. Those of you that if you just speak even one other language, make sure you always include that on the resume, guys, because it is so valuable. Okay, so you and I have, we, we Zoomed last week and kind of got to know each other a little bit, have been texting back and forth. Um, and so what I want to do with this podcast is, is show everybody that's listening, no matter where we are in the country, it sounds like you're so far away and we must not have anything in common. But I want to kind of talk about your experiences in RT school. And when you and I met last week online, you introduced me to a study that was done in Saudi Arabia. And so this study uh, is entitled Burnout and Resilience Among Respiratory Therapy Students in Clinical Training in Saudi Arabia. And guys, I'm going to provide a link to this in the podcast description. But basically, the study took 559 RT students across 15 different RT programs. And basically the students answered questionnaires and these questionnaires were designed to, to assess their level of burnout and their level of resiliency. So of the 559 students, 78% suffered a high rate of burnout. Now this burnout was classified in three different segments. So basically uh, burnout as it related to emotional exhaustion, burnout as it manifested in depersonalization and burnout uh, manifesting in low personal achievement. And what was really interesting also about this study, because I don't think the, the fact that people feel burned out, I don't think that that is, is as, as mind-blowing as the fact that students that had higher level GPAs actually even suffered a higher level of burnout and this burnout increased the longer a 
student was in school. So, and then tagged on to that, it assessed resiliency and only 2% of the 559 students reported a high level of resiliency. So we have a very high level of burnout, but a very low level of resiliency. So obviously when you read this, you thought about this and how, how you were experiencing some of the same things. So can you tell us about your experience with burnout in, in both class and clinicals or the stresses that relate to that burnout? Yes, uh, I absolutely agree with the research paper because, you know, as we start the RT program, which is from, from my perspective, is quite challenging journey. And we start facing lots of responsibilities, such as meeting our deadlines, being prepared for our exams, as well as being focused and alert during our classes to avoid further misunderstanding as, you know, we progress uh, further and advance with the certain topics related to our measure. And those responsibilities, they can easily uh, lead any RT student to experience burnout, especially when we advance to the level where we start our clinical rotations, where everything we've learned, now we have to apply on the patient's bedside. And Healthcare environments are the most stressful occupational settings, right? And those environments, they can easily put uh, RT students at the risk of the burnout. And I'm very much agree with, you know, actually promoting and building the resilience among the RT students to actually bounce back and, you know, to build that shield against the stress and how you know, that stress could affect our performance, mental and physical well-being. So I find it very important to build the resilience. And uh, I have my tips on it, and I would like to share it for their and its podcast. Okay, yeah, I think that is great. So really, guys, the purpose of this podcast is to work on tips and strategies to build resilience. And so the majority of the information, not only the study, um, the majority of the information we're going to talk about really comes from a couple of different resources. It comes from the American Psychological Association and the University of California, Berkeley. So I'm going to, when in the podcast description, put a lot of links if you want to research this further. But I think we're gonna first start to make sure we all understand the definition of resilience. So resilience really is the process of us adapting to adversity, to trauma, to tragedy, to threats, or any really significant source of stress. RT school, family and relationship problems, financial problems, and sometimes these stressors come at you all at once and so resilience is the ability to bounce back from those difficult experiences and would you yes. say Vidor, in doing this do you think there's personal growth in it actually there is no um, universal formula for like building the resilience right it's quite personal what might work for me might not for work for others you know and it's each and everyone's journey to find out which tips and what actually can help, you know, 
to build their resilience, to accommodate to the stressful environments and everything that comes with it. Absolutely. So let's make sure that everybody understands too. We're going to talk about tips and strategies, but being resilient is does not mean that a person will not, they're still going to experience difficulty. There's still going to be emotional struggles. There are still going to be stressors in life. And so we by no way are minimizing that personal experience. What we're doing is building up that resistance to the stressors, the resiliency is that ability to come back in a healthy manner from any type of adversity. So everybody, what we're going to do is talk about six ways to build resilience. And the first way we're going to explore is how to mitigate stress as much as you possibly can, because we all have certain situations that are stressful, but sometimes we add stress upon ourselves and we can minimize it. And one of the primary ways to minimize stress is to use organization and time management skills. So Badur, tell us about your organization and time management in class as well as clinical. I see that time management is one of the most important skills because back to when I just started my major, I didn't have a clue about the time management. You know, I would procrastinate. I would not be able to finish my work due to the deadline. So all of those things, I just reflected on them and I understood that I need to stick to the time management. I have to plan my, you know, the assignment. I have to write them down. I have to manage when and where I have to study because keeping up the work until the last moment isn't healthy for all of us, right? As a student who just starts the major, not all of us are actually aware of that. But as the pressure accumulates, you just understand that this is the most essential thing when it comes to time management, because that's when you reduce the pressure that is applied to you, because you just break down the, you know, the things that you have to do and you do them slowly, but throughout some period of time, rather than they just accumulate on the last day of your due date, you know, and you're just like so stressed and so worried on how am I going to finish, you know, and that time management is really a high skill that all of us have to, you know, improve. Okay. So it sounds like you do, uh, you, you probably have a master calendar or something with, with all your tests and all, all the deadlines and, and everything. And one of the things from an instructor standpoint, you've really touched on it, is you have to do it a little bit at a time. You cannot wait till the very end or right up next to the deadline, especially with studying. Because if you're studying right at the very last moment, it's only going in short term memory, but all the information you're learning has to accumulate over time so you can learn to work with it. So I think your your idea of planning your day is perfect. Tell me a little bit about how clinical might be different. A clinical, for example, for me, we start our clinical from 8 a.m. sharp. So I have to wake up around 6 a.m. And it's I want to emphasize so much on, you know, having a breakfast, because when you are at the clinical side, you run after your RT and believe me, RTs are so fast. 
They're just like run from one unit to another. So you gotta have all that power to run after your RT, perform tasks, you know, understand and learn, observe and everything. So um, when it comes to clinical time management, I would suggest that you prepare your meal uh, night ahead of your, you know, a morning duty or if it's, um, you know, your night duty. So you prepare it just uh, a night uh, day before, right? So mm -hmm. it's very important to eat well. And it's very important that you are on time on your clinical rotations because it just shows how uh, prepared you are because people are actually observing you when you are at the hospital. That also could affect either you get employed or not because people would have an idea about you. They would say, oh, that student is always on time. She's very punctual, you know? Or, oh, I wouldn't suggest that student. He's never on time, you know? And that plays a huge role. And I think it's it's very, very important to actually uh, get enough sleep as well, because, you know, you cannot learn or perform when you are not enough, you know, got enough sleep because the sleep is so essential, at least seven to eight hours. And that's what really helps me to, you know, to be on time and everything. Yeah, so this is, you are on the other side of the world from us, but everything you just described is exactly how every RT student feels no matter where. And it's probably something every RT instructor coaches the students to be cognizant of. Okay, so there is still always gonna be stress, right? No matter how well organized you are and how well you manage your time, life has stressors. And so we have to be able to have healthy, healthy outlets for that stress. So how do you manage the stress that you do have in your life? Um, I have strategies to deal with the stress and um, I find them quite healthy the healthy way to deal with my stress and uh, one of them is uh, I emphasize so much on the physical activity and the physical health because sometimes when you sit for like more than two hours you are sitting for more two hours and your body is sore and you are feeling tired just a simple walk could give you so much energy and recharge you that you could go back to your studies you know more energetic more motivated and the physical activity brings up so much especially when it comes to a mental health because it makes, it clears your mind. It helps you with uh, even better focusing during classes. Yeah. I better focus if I exercise, you know, I feel that I'm in a healthy body. And um, right now I'm, you know, I wanna do better and uh, I wanna study and I, I'm feeling amazing because I exercised and uh, another thing is um, what helps me is the self-care and uh, when it comes to self-care uh, I don't all, all only mean like um, you know like skin care nails and everything that we girls like but as well as um, a self-care when it comes to your soul you know just recharging yourself by maybe reading your favorite book 
or watching your favorite show. For example, when I like lack the motivation to study, I could just turn on some medical show and watch it. And then I get so motivated. And I was like, I want to go and go back to study. I want to be like them, you know? <laughs> I know that it couldn't be like the movies aren't, you know, sometimes they're too exaggerating, you know? They're a little bit different when it comes to um, real life you know um clinical sites and but it really helps me it's where i get my inspiration from and um another thing when it comes to self-care is uh, just um positive self-talk you know because whatever you say to yourself affects you it affects your performance because you are the only person who has to believe in yourself because if you don't believe in yourself, no one will, you know, and uh, that positive self-talk, even, for example, if you didn't do well on your exam, you know, but you just re reflect on it and you just understand your mistakes and you're just like, that's fine. I'll do better next time. You know, I'll learn. I'm still here to learn, right? I still have time. I will improve. It's better than you know, biting yourself for your mistakes. So positive self-talk is very important. And another way I deal with the stress is social connections because socializing is so important when it comes to um, getting out those emotions that you had, for example, with you performed bad on your exam or you saw something at your clinical site that made you really sad. You know, and just talking with someone helps you to relieve actually those thoughts, to relieve the tension from your body and from your mind. Just uh, you can call your friend, you can talk to your family member, you know, just talk by talking. It just helps you so much to actually um, get back to the state you were before, you know, yeah, before you ended up, before you got as stressed or worked up for, for whatever triggered you. Absolutely. Yes. I think those are great strategies. As a matter of fact, I think we've done, I've done a few podcasts that talks about the benefits of exercise and eating right and self-care. I love the, the reading. I, I do that. I try to do that every day. It's one of the things that keeps me sane. So yeah, great, great, great ideas. Okay. The second way to deal or to be able to build resilience is facing your fears. So when you start RT school, there's a lot of stress of the unknown, right? The first test is stressful. The first of everything is very, very yes. hard. And so by continuing to show up and face that which you are a little afraid of, tell us what that does for you. Um, facing my fears, actually, I had an experience uh, when I just started my clinical rotation. I really was scared to do inline suctioning of a patient because of their gag reflex and they were the way they were, you know, having their reflex. They would move their bodies, they remove their hands, even if they are like sedated, they would have that gag reflex. And I was really, really afraid. I thought I'm causing them pain. You know, but 
they are actually having all those infusions going into them, you know, the painkillers, the sedative. So it's just the gag reflex, right? So I understood that I can't just stop doing that because it's a part of my major, right? It's a part of RT. Um, um, what is it called? It, it's it's a part of our scope of practice. It's exactly what we're supposed to. So as you do it more often, how did you feel? I just started to exposing myself more to it. I would ask my uh, RT that would be with me. I would ask her, can I suction that patient? So I would face my fear. You know, I would expose myself more and more that I would actually acquire and would be less scared of doing that because that's, there is nothing to be afraid of when you, you've done it multiple times. And you see that that's not actually scary. That's just in my head. Yeah, absolutely. I tell my students all the time, the very first competency that they perform in front of an instructor is the hardest competency. They've never done it before. It's never been that high risk situation. They're nervous and not while they may continue to be nervous with each competency, there will not be a competency that is as bad as that first one because they're continually facing their fear. So you've, you've got to get through it and that repeated exposure will minimize that fear of, of certain things. All right, the third way to build resilience that we want to talk about, we're going to entitle it Change the Narrative. You know how in life when something bad happens, whether you fail, fail a test or have a bad day in clinical or you have an experience with another person that you don't agree with each other, that you we have a tendency as humans to want to focus on the negative and go over and over and over that situation. So when we say change the narrative, what that really means is finding a way to empty your head, your mind of that negativity and replace it with something positive. So you, Budur, I think we talked about journaling a little bit. Do you journal? Yes, we did. I do journal. It literally helps me to clear up my head. It helps me, for example, previously we talked about the social connections, but sometimes people get so busy that they just simply don't have time for us right and we have an alternative to that which is the journaling where you actually can express your emotions and once you express your emotion you understand that those thoughts they aren't as scary as you thought they are or they aren't as dark as you thought they are uh, because you just write them down and you see there is nothing to be afraid of you just ex express everything you felt and that's absolutely all right to feel that way. And uh, you just get out of your head everything that you felt, every emotion. And I think that's a very healthy way of dealing with your, you know, sadness, like depression and just a bad day. You just write it down and it's like it's gone. It's on mm -hmm. a piece of paper. Yep. I have actually um, read and I've actually practiced this also just take setting a timer and it's not really journaling it's just getting all of those thoughts out setting a timer for five minutes and writing anything about a situation that comes to my mind you know it, it doesn't matter how how bad it is how ugly it is 
how angry I am, how sad I am. I get all of those emotions down on that piece of paper. It's out of my body. And then the strategy is to burn it because when you burn it, it is, it is, you know, it's, it's gone. It's just that, that example of getting rid of it. So now once you journal or you get rid of that, you have to start looking for the positive. And there's actually said this, it's called the silver lining effect or the silver lining strategy. It's about taking a situation and maybe it may take a day or two after that situation, but reflecting back on it and finding what came out of it that was positive. Can you give us an example of how you've used a silver lining strategy? Um, I actually experienced that. Um, for example, I remember on my second week of my clinical rotation when I just started, I came, me and my classmates came to the RT department and one of the RTs say that we have to go out and um, do the walk, walk of honor. That was my first time experiencing that. And there was a little girl that passed away. Um, she was around eight months old. So we had the walk of honor. You see the sobbing and crying parents. You see other healthcare workers who are also, you know, crying. And uh, we just walk there. And that was my first time feeling lost. That was my first time seeing, you know, parents crying in front of the child's bed and they're so helpless. They can't do anything, right? And um, once we stopped, when they switched off her life support, that was the hardest part for me. And for my classes, we just started sobbing. We just started crying, you know, all of other nurses and healthcare workers when they were taking her to OT. And, uh, but after that, I would just say to myself, but Budur, this is the thing that is not, not under our control. This is something that, you know, happened. And uh, that little girl, she was, um, she was under so much care, love at her last days of life, right? And she, her death could give life to someone else so I looked at that um, on the brighter side of that situation by thinking that you know that girl she was taking care of she passed away without the you know being in a in a um, pain or being alone she was surrounded by her lovely parents all the healthcare workers took a really good care of her, you know, and her giving her, you know, parts of her body to someone else can save maybe more than two or three lives, right? That is also one of the, you know, positive parts of that situation that I try to look at to sort of shift my focus from all the sadness and, uh, you know, the situation that was really sad, but I tried my best to look at the positive side of it. Absolutely. That is one of the best things that you can do is reflect back on and try to find the positive situations. The next strategy we're going to talk about is meditation. And so this is going to take 
different forms and different people. Um, this can be breathing exercises. This can be um, practicing mindfulness. It can be talking about grounding strategies. So, Bador, do you have some some experience with meditation? Um, when it comes to meditation, I think as you know, as one of the techniques to actually get rid of the tension in your body and to ground yourself, it is a very helpful tool, especially when it comes to anxiety. Whenever you feel anxious, just simple like breathing exercises that we do during meditation or like mindfulness that you are, you know, at the present moment, you are here right now, whatever is happening, you know, like happening in your, you know, best self, it's happening for you. And as we are artists, right? And we know the importance of the breath. So it is so important to just ground yourself and breath and understand that this is, you know, it all shall pass, whatever is happening. You know, I'm here right now and whatever is. Yeah, whatever happens, happens. So a lot of times with those breathing exercises, what we can do is sit still and when you inhale, what they say to focus on is to feel that breath as it moves through your airway. And we know exactly what that means, right? Because we understand yes. that anatomy. So to feel that physical sensation, the coolness as you breathe in, the chest expanding. And so focusing on that, get your mind away from what's causing you some anxiety. If just for a brief period of time, but it gives yourself the ability to reset exactly Absolutely. exactly especially um you could practice um the grounding strategies as well because um, sometimes it happens that your thoughts overtake your reality that you are so um busy with everything that is going on in your head that you cannot stay focused and those like grounding strategies such as you know um paying attention whatever around you you know counting your steps uh looking at the colors for example touching something focusing on the sounds around you they would really ground you at the to the present moment and help you to actually focus on now because um sometimes when you are um again i would give an example regarding the exams you know when you were so anxious regarding uh, how difficult your exam was and you keep thinking about the answers and uh, what you did wrong and everything and you just ground yourself with you know what is around me right now and mm -hmm. i'm really grateful and uh, that i actually could take that exam that i did my best you know Yep. I, I use grounding exercises with sound. Um, when I'm very simulated and anxious, I make myself be still and I try to find two sounds that I can hear from outside. 
and then two sounds that I can hear in the room that I'm in. And then finally, two sounds that I can hear within my body. And I always, that last sound is me, myself breathing. And by the time you bring from the outside, inside, then internally, and you've been focusing on that, you have reset yourself from that anxiety. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely is, is a good method. All right, the fourth, we've already touched on this, practicing self-compassion. And you talked about that earlier, how as people, we are very harsh with ourselves. I have had students throughout the years, you know, they do poorly on an exam or competency. And the first thing they do is berate themselves. Oh, I was so stupid. I knew better to do that. But you mentioned this too, and I love it. It's, it's, um, if it's the strategy is ca called how you would treat a friend. So if you had a friend in school that came up to you and said, I failed my exam, would you ever say to that person, you're so stupid? Or would you, no. you we wouldn't be that unkind to people, would we? I believe we all have to be kind to one another and ourselves. I remember back to uh, my second year, I think when we had the patient assessment, um, practical exam and one of the girls she was really like disappointed and she was really sad after her exam and she would come to me crying you know I did so bad I might you know drop out and everything and I would just like no stop you've gone through so much you know it is fine you did mistakes it's absolutely fine nothing has to be perfect you did mistakes you reflected on them you learned about them you did one to two mistakes that's absolutely right you are still a student it's better to make a mistake now than later on after graduation at the patient bedside where it actually affects the patient you know i would just try to calm her down i would like emphasize on your on her you know um parts of her um personalities that are actually really good you know i would try to cheer her up i will say like but you're so good at this and that you know mm -hmm. you you shouldn't give up one mistake is not you know the the reason to drop out the major you've you've gone through so much not to just you know stop because of some small mistake you can do better and you will do better Absolutely. And the way you spoke to your friend is exactly the way you should speak to yourself when you hit challenges or maybe you don't meet uh, the goal that you have set for yourself. Rather than berating ourselves, guys, we have got to speak positively and kindly to ourselves. I um, Every once in a while, and I've, I've mentioned this before. I'm just going to mention it again, a little bit of personal thing. My, my sister passed away a year ago, and this week has been kind of a rough week. And at one point in time, I just had to stop and say, you know, what I'm feeling is grief. And it's okay to be sad, you know, and, and, and just that positive talk, not, not talk like, you should be over it by now. It's a year. You can't do anything. No, it's not. And it's okay. So when you are doing poorly on an exam, here's what I want you to tell yourself next time. It's one exam out mm -hmm. of your whole entire curriculum. It's one exam. 
We need to figure out where the mistakes are. We'll fix the mistakes and we'll move forward. And you're right. I loved how you say that in your students and it's it's best to make these mistakes as students so that you can have time to correct it before you hit clinical practice. Absolutely. That was just brilliantly stated. I love it. So the very last thing as far as building resiliency is knowing when to seek help. We can talk positively to ourselves and we can talk to our peers and we can talk to our family members but there may come a point in time that we need somebody that is actually trained in helping us deal with trauma and anxiety and it's very important to be able to reach out understand you need to reach out and how to do so and licensed professional counselors are not just about talk part of their training has to do with other methodologies like EMDR or brain spotting it's not just going in and talking to somebody although talk therapy is 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 very beneficial but there are other things that they can do to help us in times of our stress and anxiety and help us deal from deal and recover from trauma so it's really really important to seek help all right, so I'm gonna do a recap of everything we just talked about as far as the six strategies to build resilience before we sign off. So number one, here are the six methods to build resilience. Number one, mitigate stress as much as possible through organization and time management. Number two, face your fears. The more you do something, the easier it will become. Number three, change the narrative. Get all of the negative out and reflect on what's positive about the experience. The next one, meditate, breathing exercises, mindfulness, grounding strategies. Give yourself a method in which you can come back down from those high levels of anxiety. Number five, practice self-compassion. Speak gently to yourself. Give yourself a little grace when it's needed. And the sixth way is to seek help. Badur, thank you so much for joining me today and for teaching us that while we may be different as far as geographical locations, you're halfway around the world from me, our cultures are different, our language may be different, our faiths may be different, life responsibilities, we have so many differences, but we are all connected by the ups and downs of everyday life. Our human struggles know absolutely no boundaries. And hopefully all of you that are listening have some sense of comfort knowing you're not alone in your struggles through our T-School. So no matter if you're in the United States or the UAE or China or Canada, no matter where you're studying, every respiratory therapy student feels the same way. And we study the same way and we have the same stressors just as Boudoir has talked to us. Um, the funny thing is you could come to class with me tomorrow and sit right in my class and and fit right in with everybody because you're an RT student. I would just fit in it, right? Yeah, yeah, you would just fit in. Do you have any final words of wisdom for us or anything you um, want to say to the students? Yeah, sure. Um, thank you so much, Tonya, for this beautiful podcast. And I really want to wish the, you know, RT students who are just starting the major to believe in themselves that they can achieve anything that they set their mind on. And if you face a failure, it doesn't mean that 
you have to give up. No, you have to push, you have to do better. You have to reflect on your mistakes and you can be better because you will be going through so much difficulties in RT program and so much responsibilities. But at the end, you will be just so grateful that you never given up and that you believed in yourself because I believe in all of you and I wish you all the best with your upcoming semester. And thank you so much. Oh, thank you. That was so sweet. Thank you for being here today. We're signing off now, everybody. So study hard, do good, and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.